Hello, and welcome to a series of school safety podcasts. Um, I'm Amanda Klinger. And I'm Dr. Amy Klinger. And we are the directors and founding members of the Educator School Safety Network. If you are listening to this podcast because you are enrolled in EDLS 633 at Ashland University. So some of this may seem somewhat familiar and maybe review from information that you just recently had or maybe had a little while ago. If you are not enrolled in uh, EDLS 633 at Ashland and you're just listening to this on our podcast channels, um, we would encourage you to um, check out some of the information. Um, Our website is in our bio information. It's www.eschoolsafety.org and there's links there if you're interested in finding out more information or if you want to take the course uh, not for college credit but for CEUs um, through us through our website. So we've encouraged you to check out that information as well. Plus there's a lot of good stuff there. So let's get started. So in unit three we talked about preventing and responding to violence and we talked uh, quite a bit about the Safe School Initiative study. Um, and I think that's a really important foundation for us to I think to we under- talked quite a bit in general in that well, video. I think that's a- the long video. We talked quite a bit about everything. Uh, <laughs> but specifically, we talked quite a bit about the Safe School Initiative study. And, it's in, and that's on purpose so that we can't work to prevent violence. We can't work to prespo- respond to violence if it's this sort of vague... Uh, imagining of what we think violence might be in schools. And so the study of the Safe School Initiative study is really important so that we know this is what violence is in our schools. Um, And so if you... Congratulations if you made it through the whole video, first of all. So if you haven't watched that video, I definitely recommend that you do that. Um, I also would recommend that if you have some time to take a peek at the Safe School Initiative study itself. Um, It is really good research and it's evidence-based and it is... Uh, what we know to be true about school violence. And so it's really important in that sense. Um, but the rest and on of- a personal note, I think it's interesting as we do this work that the Safe School Initiative study, I mean, we know uh, empirically it does, it is correct. It, mm-hmm. it, it is bared out. But in what we see in this work, it is so closely correlated mm-hmm. to what we see every single day with every one of these incidents. So it really is, um, I, I feel, very important, relevant information that you can kind of take to the bank. Well, and it's interesting, you know, in the work that we do um, in in our academic research about uh, school-based violent threats and school-based bomb threats and incidents, you find these same findings. Yeah, um, and, yeah. and, you know, th- this research... Not just shooting. You're right. right. And, you know, this research is based on school shootings that actually happened. And, you know, the research that we do is on threats, um, on lower-level violent events. And you see the same undercurrent of truths mm-hmm. um, in the things that we see that don't hardly make the paper, you know, let alone rise to the level, you know, of Columbine or, right. or Sandy Hook. So it is really interesting in that way. Um, and then in the second part of Unit 3, we talked about some of the things that we can do to mitigate that and some of the things that we can do to prevent violence. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of administrative concerns with that. And so you you want to speak to some of those. Yeah, and I, I do think that this this particular second half of, of Unit 3 really does have some kind of unique administrative applications. And I think one of them is really getting past our biases um, in terms of... And, you know, when I talk about our academic research, um, and that's available online, that's available on our website. Um, it's, you know, the first year that we did it was just school-based bomb threats and incidents. and Which then, was in and of itself incredibly shocking. Uh, and then in subsequent years um, and moving forward, we ha- have decided to include uh, school-based violent threats and incidents. So it is any sort of a threat, uh, including bomb threats, but also threats of, with knives and guns and... 
Uh, and the research is really kind of worth taking a look at because it's broken down in a number of ways by state, which is kind of interesting to see what's happening, reg happening regionally, but also by event and really kind of see these emerging trends that we are beginning to pick up. I mean, the, the business of school safety and of violence in school is not static. While the Safe School Initiative study is an older piece of, of uh, research that has held true, there are changes and things that mm -hmm. do evolve. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, our empirical work, our study has really sort of helped us to identify some of the things that are changing, that are evolving, that are going to be having an impact on schools. So it might be worth um, taking a peek at to kind of get the the sort of uh, emerging side of it. Yeah, so the link to that research um, is available in the uh, information um, for this episode as well. So we want to shift gears and talk a little bit about some of the uh, mitigation and some of the prevention, you know, things that we talked about in Unit 3 in 533. And so there's a lot of administrative concerns, you know, with those different different things that we talk about. So do you want to speak to some of those? Yeah, there are some really unique um, administrative issues associated with looking at what we know to be true about school violence. Uh, and I think one of them, you know, that sort of uh, you may have found yourself reflecting on this as part of the Safe School Initiative study, is really this idea of getting past our biases that we have about kids and about situations um, where we are making assumptions that this particular type of kid is the one that's going to be our next shooter or this particular physical attribute or this particular uh, family background or whatever it might be. And so it's really critical for us um, as administrators leading in this effort to not be trapped into um, our biases and having them take us to a place that is inaccurate and frankly kind of dangerous to ignore one category and focus on another. So that's really something that I think you need to reflect on as you, as you move into this. Um, then I think the other thing that's interesting in this particular unit is to really take a look, you know, when you look at the, the four different violence prevention um, aspects that we talked about, it's unique in the sense that almost all of them are going to be administrative, initiated, administratively driven, and almost to a certain extent administratively implemented. Um, we talked about disclosures, and, and certainly disclosures are an issue at the classroom level and in the relationships that your staff have with students. But creating that overall organizational norm that says, we do these things to elicit disclosures is really going to be initiated at the administrative, at the educational leadership level. So the disclosures is such an important piece, but it's not, it is not capable, or one individual classroom teacher is not capable of making that change for the building. That's going to be that organizational leader that's going to do that. Same thing with climate and culture. You know, climate and culture can be managed and enhanced and improved at the classroom level. But if you really want bang for your buck, you really want to see changes and improvement in academics and student behavior and safety, all those sort of things. Again, that becomes sort of this administrative domain for climate and culture initiatives to be um, implemented, brought to the fore, and really put out there for teachers to take advantage of. And we have, you know, if you're interested in, in improving the climate and culture in your school. We have um, materials available if you want to lead a PLC, if you want to do, you know, dive into that a little bit more. We have materials available uh, through the marketplace on our website 
um, that there's something if you want to lead a professional learning co community, if you want to work with some colleagues, um, either as a teacher or as an administrator, and that's something that you want to get into more. Do you want to speak any more to that? I, I can't overstate, and I won't because this is going to be a long thing to listen to as well, but I can't overstate the importance of climate and culture. Um, it gets a lot of lip service and not a whole lot of actually doing it. But I don't care what administrative situation you find yourself in or what administrative problem you're facing, there's a really strong chance that that problem can be addressed and improved by taking a look at your climate and culture and doing things to really get at the root of it. It's sort of like treating the symptoms all the time and never getting to the disease. Climate and culture, a negative toxic culture is almost always the disease. And we spend a lot of time chasing around trying to do PR things and do all these different things to manage the symptoms instead of really getting to the underlying cause. So I can't overstate, you know, as much as all this other information is important as well, that the culture piece is just something that is so crucial and so underserved mm -hmm. um, that I really encourage you to do that. Yeah, and I think, you know, climate and culture is really the closest link where you, you have something that you can you can do something to improve the climate and culture in your school and it, you absolutely will have an academic benefit. Um, you absolutely yeah. will have a safety benefit. You absolutely will have a quality of life for students and faculty and staff benefit. And, you know, we always talk about that, you know, if you want to, you know, improve the academics in your school, you need to make your school safe. It's difficult, you know, research shows that it's difficult for kids to learn effectively in an unsafe environment. And so your school safety improvements will have a trickle-down effect on academic improvements, but you're, if you work to improve the climate and culture in your school, you will have a direct improvement in academics, and you will have a direct yeah. improvement in safety. Well, and, and if you want to take the hedonistic view of I don't care about anybody else, or I don't care about academics or safety or anything else, if you just want your life to be easier yeah. professionally yeah. and to not be exhausted at the end of the day, address climate and culture. Because working in a toxic culture is exhausting mm -hmm and very, very um, counterproductive to you professionally. So if you don't care about anything else. Yeah, not sustainable. It, no. Yeah, addressing climate and culture helps everybody, including yourself. And um, then the other two things that we talked about in the violence prevention area was threat assessment and visitor screening. And those are two kind of different things, but the threat assessment team, um, that's a, a really uniquely administrative concern in the sense that if you don't have one, as an administrator, it's gonna be you. Um, so if you don't have a threat assessment team, that doesn't mean that it's okay because no one is assessing threat threats. That means you're going to do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like um, I'm going to move into a new house and move every piece of furniture by myself, or I'm going to have this group of people and we're going to work together and we're going to you know make this work, many hands making light work. And that's really um, not a great analogy, but that really is a critical piece administratively because these threats and these instances and the kids you're going to have to deal with in the situations that present themselves are going to be there, whether you choose to deal with them effectively through threat assessment or whether you're just going to go it alone and wing it and see what happens. Um, you know, and, and I think that's a really critical place where administratively you can initiate something that's going to be beneficial to all parties. And, you know, and I just have to say, you know, informally, that's the one thing that we hear from teachers in every training we do of what teachers are dying for, wanting so badly, is a means to be able to determine 
how to assess threats. So I would definitely not dismiss that as being out of the question. And threat assessment and management isn't adding another new thing on your plate. It's not adding a new task or something else that you have to do in addition to your other work. If you don't have a formalized threat assessment and management uh, team in place, you're already doing that work. You're just doing it in a way that's difficult, that's disjointed, that's inefficient, yeah. that you're doing it by yourself, you're doing it in isolation, you're not doing it, you know, using the skills and abilities of all your of your colleagues, you're still doing that work. Um, so, so threat assessment isn't a new thing, a new project to undertake, to take on. It's a way to make that work uh, a lot less difficult and, and more effective. And at the risk of sounding like the uh, Home Shopping Network, we have threat assessment training. Uh, so if you're interested in learning more about it, getting more information about it, um, you can do that at our website. Um, and then finally, we talked a little bit about visitor screening and everyone kind of dismisses visitor screening. We have a buzzer system. Well, you know, we, we talked about the, the uh, inherent failings of a buzzer system. So regardless of what level of technology you are in terms of whether you're at the facial recognition software level or you have maybe a buzzer, uh, if you're lucky, anywhere on that continuum, that technology and those procedures are only as effective as the training that the folks have that are using them. So, and again, that's going to be initiated by you, the organizational manager and leader within the building. So I think it's really critical that each one of these is something that you're going to need to address um, administratively. And I think we can admire them from a teaching perspective, but we have to think about the implementation and the integration of them from an administrative perspective. And with all of these, you know, mitigations or, or you know, ways to prevent violence in schools, you're coming back to that interplay of management versus leadership. If I'm approaching this purely from a management standpoint, do these things because I told you to. Do dis you know, be concerned about disclosures. We're going to have a threat assessment team because we said we're going to, and we have it written down. Um, you're not going to have success with those things. I mean, you have to be approaching, I mean, there is management components to these things, but it is about leadership and, you know, getting buy-in from your folks. If I'm not adding something new to your plate, I'm not assigning you duties because I can. These are the things that we all can do to make this place safer for all of us, to make our lives easier, to improve the lives of our students, to see growth in, you know, climate and culture and in, in academics. And, and so that, again, you, you're going to have to wear both of those hats in all of these, you know, different approaches.